Podcasting from Astrolab Studios, this is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi fantasy and just plain weird shows that have faded from the collective consciousness and didn't quite make the impact that they intended. This week, Almost Human, episode 13. I've seen this before. This is a copycat. How would you know that? Ten years ago, a serial killer named Michael Costa was arrested. It was his M.O. to stuff the straw, just like this. Press called him Straw Man. Michael Costa. Currently serving a life sentence in the queue. It's more interesting. Look at the investigating officer. This was your father's case. The caller of his career. Right before he was killed. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast that's bidding farewell to Almost Human this week. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? Oh no, I forgot again. I forgot to think of something that's real. <laughs> as, just as you were saying that, I went, oh no. Oh no, I forgot. I, I have to have- Something real's coming. I know, something real's coming. I need to have a post-it note that just says, what's real? Question mark. Oh, you know what would be better? If I have one of those digital ones like John Kennex and I just threw it up against the wall and tell me to do that. <laughs> perfect yeah. digital what's real post yeah so th- that's the answer as soon as we get digital post-it notes i'll be all over i'll be all you'll over. know exactly what's real exactly well jordan great news i thought I, I thought i'd get ahead of your eventual failure and uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh that was rude you don't fail you're good that's okay i i everyone needs to fail sometimes this show certainly certainly has <laughs> boom boom take that our own show yeah t- take that the show we've decided to talk about in you know excessive detail <laughs> um all right let me i'll go through this quickly i guess just just for funsies what's real so in preparation for our final episode i was kind of trying to do some like last minute research for some stuff i'd been thinking about about this show um specifically you know we talked a lot about this show in tech war I really wanted to see if I could find any sort of like press or interviews or anything where someone might have said like, yeah, there was some influence by Tech War. And so I was kind of doing Google searches and trying to find like some crossover or something, which I, I didn't find. But while I was doing that, I uh, happened to come across the keywords I was searching brought me to this uh, den of geeks. Uh, they did a listicle about TV androids. Mm-hmm. And obviously uh, it was an article about westworld and they're like let's see what other tv androids have been around and you know the usuals are there your datas um your dorians those kind of things and of course tech world was also or sorry tech world tech war was also on the list was the little girl robot from uh, small wonder on that list she was not on that list oh. remember she had a little uh, cassette tape on her back i never saw that show oh it's it's really weird we'll talk about it off there okay <laughs> but like i said yeah obviously tech war was on the list definitely got robots in it which robot do you think they uh, featured which android from tech war do you think they featured it would make sense to be that uh the lieutenant winger is that his name yeah lieutenant winger that would make sense that would have been my guess too um but the one they chose to showcase blew my mind out the back of my head jordan i can't even think of another robot in the show do you remember jake cardigan's girlfriend Dr. Beth Kittredge? I do, yeah. She was a robot the whole time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. When when did that get discovered? In the write-up, they're like, on Tech War, his girlfriend was killed, 
and then replaced they replaced her with a robot with her memories and then she just continued being a girlfriend and i was like wait that didn't happen and so i went to the wikipedia page backs it up hold on the entire so- time we were watching that she was an android okay a couple questions the first one did she know she was an android second did jake know she was an android or did someone just replace her because they felt bad no yes and yes they both knew huh you think they would ha- um, have mentioned that <laughs> even a little bit i think this is probably a little bit our fault because tech War was our first show and we didn't realize there were tv movies that happened before and we kind of fucked up on that part but the fact that we watched 13, 13. 14 16 episodes of it and and we never found out that one of the characters was an android look maybe some of that's on us but i think a larger extent uh the problem has to be on the writers because if you have a character who has an android and they never do anything, you know, robot-y, or there's never any mention, like, wh- wh- who cares if they're a robot then? It's like, hey, do you ever see The Sopranos? Oh, yeah, by the way, all those characters were robots. Doesn't matter. Didn't Jake, didn't Jake hate robots? <laughs> yeah, well, I think he, well, to be fair, he also treated his girlfriend pretty poorly. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Anyway. And, and any ladies he was dating, and the women themselves. He just treated everyone badly. Yeah, he was awful. Anyway. I honestly was in shock for like 30 minutes when I found out this show we had spent so much time watching had a main character who was an android the entire time, but it never came up. Blew my mind. I just thought of a new game we should play is uh, we should go through all the series and see which characters may have been robots just based on how they were written, even though if they were never mentioned to be robots. Secret robot? Mm -hmm. Secret robot. There you go. Even though it's androids, I know. I know. I always say robot when I mean android because I use them interchangeably. So no one email me and tell me the difference between androids and robots because I don't care. Don't worry. No one's going to email. It's fine. All right, Jordan. Um, I think you uh, got a little game for us where we get kick-, kick this thing off. Yeah, it's the old classic that I keep changing the name. Um, so uh, see if you can figure this out, Luke. Here's the game. It's called Share Bitcoin Accounts, Look At Lovingly, or Send Over the Wall. Pretty good. I love when you change the name. I never know what it's going to be. I, I didn't know. Do people share Bitcoin accounts? You're the Bitcoin expert. Well, you would, you would, uh, yeah, you would share a Bitcoin or send a Bitcoin. Okay. But it works. It all works. It works? Okay, great. Um, all right. So there's five rounds. Uh, I've named each of these rounds. <laughs> don't, don't be too excited. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Round one. This round's called White Men. <laughs> I know. So the choices are John Kennex. Richard Paul or Rudy Long? I think I am going to share a Bitcoin account with Rudy Long. I am going to look lovingly at John Kennex. I'm going to send uh, Detective Paul over the wall. Oh, I couldn't disagree with you more. Really? Yeah. Uh, And and this will be something we'll talk about more. Richard Paul has grown in my esteem over the course of the show, and especially to this last episode. So I am going to share Bitcoin accounts with Richard Paul, look at Rudy Long lovingly, and send John Kennex over the wall because he's a bully. Wow. I mean, you probably make a good case for it. Uh, Detective Paul certainly in the last few episodes has uh, become a better rounded, more likable character. In, in, in the scope of what this show is, I mean, he has total, total screen time probably on this show accounts for in 13 episodes, maybe five minutes. I mean, yeah. he, he, doesn't, he hasn't been around a lot. No fault of his own. No. Which brings us to round two, robots or androids. And your choices are DRN model, MX model, XRN model. Oh, I think it's going to have to be share a Bitcoin account with an MX model. 
look lovingly at an XRN model. They're so spicy. And I guess I'm going to send a DRN model over the wall. I I can't get over the fact that once they fall below 80% power, they become so irritable. I don't I know that's not going to work for me. You know what? Oh, we had very different picks, but you reminded me of that. And uh, because of that, I'll agree with you. Not only does he, does he after he drops under 80%, he gets all emotional. He's got a ton of problems. He's having weird memories we don't know about. He's always uh, checking to see what your semen levels are at. He's got to go over the wall. Fair enough. An MX model would be like living with like a Roomba. No problem. Yeah, that's true. Easy roommate. Probably do a lot of the cleaning. I don't <laughs> mind that. All right, round three, villains. So you got Ethan. He was the clone guy. By the way, he never got was given a last name, at least not according to IMDb. <laughs> uh, Ethan, he was the guy who was cloned himself. Eric Lantham, he's the guy who um, uh, put on new faces. Oh, yeah. And Simon, who put uh, neck bombs on people. Oh, it's a tough one. I am going to share a Bitcoin with the beauty killer, the face guy. What's his name? Eric Lantham. Eric Lantham. I'm going to... I don't like the other two options. I would send them both over the wall, but who do I find less irritable? I guess I'm going to neck bomb Simon. I guess I'll look at him lovingly. He's a bit of a whiner, though, but I guess so. And then uh, I'll send I'll send the other guy over the wall because... Uh, um, I don't know. He seemed like uh, he seemed like he'd be full of himself, and I don't need that. I think I have to disagree. First, I think you have to look at Eric Lantham lovingly because his girlfriend sure isn't. <laughs> um, for everyone who doesn't remember, she's blind. I think I would send Ethan over the wall because there's too many of them, and then I would uh, share Bitcoin counts with Simon. Really? Just why? Why Simon? Just because he's just left. He he's the most forgettable. He just wants to be on his computer, anyways. <laughs> you can deal with that. I could deal with that. Round four, ladies. And by the way, up until about two minutes before we uh, started recording, I had forgotten that I didn't have a third uh, woman for this category, and only because I realized there's no female characters in this show. So I can only think of two. So Yeah, well, that was a problem, but don't worry. The third one I knocked out of the park. So here we go. Valerie Stahl, Sandra Maldonado, or Anna? And who is Anna? That's his girlfriend for episode one. Oh, who we know nothing about and have learned nothing since then. I thought it might be the uh, uh, medium psychic uh, petite psych on a good day. Oh, I forgot about her. Originally, uh, I had chosen um, uh, the mom who really was worried that her son who's died uh, had friends. (laughs) What about the mom who was worried that her daughter who had died uh, didn't have friends? There was a lot of there was a lot of mothers that were uh, uh, interrogated. (laughs) Popular on this show. Yeah. So what do you think? All right. I'm going to share a Bitcoin account with Captain Maldonado. I'm going to look lovingly at Anna, Kenix's original girlfriend, because, uh, I don't know. She seems spicy, too. She's all uh, in that terrorist group. <laughs> and then we'll send Stall over the wall. No fault of her own. She's, she's just a little dull for me. I'd rather spend my time with Maldonado. Mm, I think I would switch uh, Anna and Stahl there. I th- you have to send Anna over the wall. All we know about her is she's trouble. Go over oh, there like where that. there's no power. I'm into trouble, Jordan. Oh, you're into trouble. Oh, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> Last round, guest stars. DiCarlo. Do you remember DiCarlo? No. He's a, he was a little guy inside the body. He met in black. Oh, body. yes, yes. Dr. Nigel Vaughn. He's almost human's uh, Dr. Noonien Sung. Oh, right. John Lercat. And finally, a Captain Alexio Barros, 
who was the the bishop in secret. He's that vice officer who showed up to be the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. All right. I know those are not great options, but blame almost you. No, no. This is easy. This is easy. I think it's share a Bitcoin account with John Larroquette, whatever his character's name was. Nigel Vaughn. I'm going to look lovingly at DeMarco because mm-hmm. he's pretty fun. I like a, I have a good time with him, I think. DeCarlo. DeCarlo. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I said the name wrong. And then I'm, I'm sending uh, um, the bishop over the wall because fuck that guy. I agree with you on this one. I like that we finished uh, on, on the same note. Because I'll tell you one thing. You do not want him to be, have uh, any access to your Bitcoin account. You can't trust him at all. You know, he's going to sell you some algae-based drugs. <laughs> he probably. Um, great, Jordan. Thank you so much. That was awesome. No problem. Here's the INDB summary for episode 13. Straw Man. Detective Kenix and Dorian investigate a string of murders by a copycat of a serial killer, whom Kenix's father put in jail. As the investigation unfolds, Biotechnology from the future sheds light on crimes from the past. Meanwhile, Dorian receives his performance evaluation since being reactivated. That was courtesy of Soheb. Soheb? Uh, Soheb. Oh, Soheb. I thought you said Soyhabe. Like, Habe is a thing and he's the soy equivalent. <laughs> Just the uh, tasteless version of Habe? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, well, well thanks there, uh, Soheb. That's, I guess, pretty accurate. Have you noticed that a lot of the B-plots, and maybe on the second half of the season, are Dorian B-plots that feel like they need to have him doing something that doesn't necessarily progress his character at all, but at the same time are the most boring B-plots of all time? Um, I think if you had me think about it, I would start, I, I think you're right. It definitely seems to be more Dorian B-plot heavy. Like, I'm just, just thinking the last couple of episodes. So this one, he's getting an evaluation. Their last right. episode, he had some memories. Another one, right. he, he wanted to live in an apartment. And another one, he uh, was having an emotional problems. It's just like, these are the worst plot lines for this character. But it's like, they need to have to do something. You didn't want to know if he got his own apartment. <laughs> Unless that was like a funny episode or something, like in a special episode of Almost Human, they go apartment hunting. That would have been good, actually. <laughs> that would have been better. But anyways... I just, I'm not sure what the strategy is behind that. I guess you're right. They've been real low stakes and like fairly removed from the plots of the episodes. Well, you're, you're right because you could take all of these out with, uh, and it wouldn't, wouldn't affect the show at all, except it would make it a speedier episode. Well, yeah, it'd only be 40 minutes instead of 45. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's get into it then, shall we? So the crime of the week this week. And it starts off at a homeless shelter, and a 16-year-old girl is getting hassled by some dirt bags as she waits for her uh, turn at the automated supplementary dispenser. I I like this thing. Yeah, this this homeless shelter had a lot of fun, weird stuff in it. Like they're talking about how all the pods are full at the homeless shelter. So basically, the machine you're talking about. Correct me if I'm wrong, Luke. You uh, put your finger in. Is that what it is? And it like pricks your blood. Yes. And tests your blood, and basically uh, finds out. The type of nutrients and, you know, maybe protein or calories or whatever you might need and then dispenses it in like a it just it gives you like a little pill that will have everything you need. Yeah, that's exactly it. Which is pretty handy. Yeah, it is pretty handy. It's a great idea. Imagine not having to eat it. It was weird that that's such a convenient, clearly useful invention that should help a lot of people, 
but everyone still looks really gross and dirty, and also the place looks really dirty. So, did they just spend their money just on those machines and they didn't clean, like, they didn't mop the floor? It doesn't seem like there are any staff whatsoever at the shelter. Yeah, it's probably because there was they were like, guys, either we can hire three nurses or we can have this vending machine that gives you pills. And they're like, <laughs> vending machine, vending machine. And so then that's all they have. It is true. This is the most destitute we've seen in Almost Human. And this is in the city proper. I'm like, there are a lot of like down and out people. Yeah, at first I, I thought this was going to be our first shot of uh, what it was like beyond the wall. Me too, but it's it's in the city. Um, I do have a question for you, though, Luke. If you were to use that machine, what do you think the machine would say about your uh, dietary needs? Oh, I need a lot more iron. Is that what it is? Iron? I just like, I can't stop bleeding. It won't clot. <laughs> oh, I, th- I thought it would just say, it would just like a little thing, like a, uh, a fortune cookie would come out and you'd open it and say, please, no more pizza, Luke. I'm not going to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd put a little comment there and it'd say, please. No, more pizza. Oh, nicely done. I think I stole that joke from uh, that uh, Death of Stalin movie. Did you? I think that's that's a, that's a good joke from that movie. Yeah, that is a good movie too. But that's not why you called. It's not why you called. Your new catchphrase. Mm-hmm. At any rate, this 16-year-old girl ends up like being uh, saved from these hassling dirtbags by this uh, gentleman in a wheelchair. Wouldn't it have been great if he was played by Jimmy Stewart? Jimmy Stewart? <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd like that. Like, from A Wonderful Life, he's just real old now? Yeah, yeah. No, but he's, like, it's he's played by, like, a 40-something Jimmy Stewart. He's, like, a CGI Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going back. His face has been CGI'd, so he looks a little younger. Sure. I mean, I wouldn't object, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, not non-Jimmy Stewart seems like a real uh, diamond in the rough, you know? Yeah, he, he tells her about a, a shelter on Abbott, and he can take her there. They've got beds and food, and... Uh... They kind of have a conversation about, you know, how the girl got to this nameless, this still nameless city this late in the show. And uh, she talks about running away from New Pittsburgh. Oh, I did, I missed that. New Pittsburgh. Everything's new. That's my new favorite city, by the way. New Pittsburgh. Because if there's one city you'd want to redo, it'd be Pittsburgh. Why not? Um, there's a, some good slang for living on the streets and almost human. They call it uh, scraping it. <laughs> yeah, scraping it. I think the, home, uh, the guy in the wheelchair is just like, I'm just out here scraping it. Who, who says that? The guy with the glasses later on? Those, like, cool uh, sunglasses? No, no. Uh, the wheelchair guy. Oh, he says it. Oh. Yeah, he says it. He's, he said, he's just talking about his tough life. Um, and at any rate, we get to the crime part when uh, he he kind of scratches her with his ring, but like, what he's doing is he's sedating her. Yeah, he's got, like, a his ring has, like, a, um, a spike in it that I'm assuming is, like, a thorn with poison on it. Yeah, probably a little needle or something. And, uh, you know, she she starts to pass out and he gets out of his wheelchair. He goes all Jamie Gum on her in the van. He puts her in. Remember in Silence of the Lambs? Is that the character? <laughs> he, his trick was to pretend he needed help with a, uh, with a couch. Right, right. But yeah, he, he, he knocks her out, gets her in his van, he drives off, and now uh, we got a crime of the week. Who's this guy just stealing girls from homeless shelters? That's okay, I guess, in terms of the crime of the week. It's fine. It's a, it's a, it's a kickoff to something. Mm-hmm. This busts us back to the uh, p- the uh, police precinct, and uh, Dorian's getting his yearly Android audit. Yeah, that was weird, but sure, why not? I guess they do it for the MXs too. Like staff come in, they interview them, and just kind of check out, see how they're doing. I guess. But here's the thing: they're androids. Couldn't they just read their files, check their stats, or whatever they're getting information? They actually have to go and interview each of these people. They're robots. 
I wonder if they do that with the MXs, but they can't do it with the DRNs because they've got that synthetic soul. Hmm, maybe. This is a real time waste for everyone then. Yeah, these people have they've never done it before. They're really winging it here. Usually they're just staring at data printouts and they're like asking questions. I, I wrote down three, like they kind of interview three people, Maldonado, Rudy, and Kenix. And I kind of wrote down one little piece of information about each of their interviews that stood out to me. While they're interviewing Maldonado, she starts talking about how, yeah, uh, I put I paired Dorian with Kenix because I knew they'd be good together for reasons I won't say. That's right. Why did she say that? It seemed, I'm just like, Imagine going to a meeting. They're like, so why did you choose to do this, you know, unorthodox method? She's like, I thought it would be good, but uh, I'd rather not say why. (laughs) They wanted to set it up as possibly a reveal for something later on. But as we know, this is the last episode. So so it just comes across as a weird thing. She's just like, I know I'm crazy, but uh, say la vie. It does feel like uh, this could be a reveal later. Let's not uh, throw it away yet. But I don't know what that reveal is going to be. Yeah, exactly. And I, I know what you're going to say about Rudy. Rudy, I know we've ha- talked about how they've had problems with him. I actually thought this time it was kind of sweetly awkward, his interview. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of talking about how much he trusts Dorian. And like he starts talking about, like, if I had a baby, I would I would, I would, would leave it around Dorian. I, I'd give it to Dorian to raise. He'd be a better father than me. He's like, I'd let Dorian have my baby. Yeah, it, it wasn't in terms of the beating up on Rudy. It was the most innocuous of them. It was cute. It was like he was stumbling over his words and it just kept getting worse and worse. It felt like the best version of this character. Right. I think anyway. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with you. Uh, and then Kenix was my favorite, though. They just do a cutaway to Kenix sitting at this interview table looking at them. And he's just like, he flipped the van once. Pretty cool. He said he goes, he flipped the van. Didn't know he could do that, which I thought was a pretty funny, actually, a little, a little I think, comment one on just mentioning a previous episode and two. They've never mentioned he had those abilities before or since. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I was like, you're right. I forgot about that. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, and uh, here's a question for you. They called the test the Luger test. Is But that's not the test that Dorian is taking right now, right? That's the test that all the models originally failed? Yeah, that was what they used to give them when they were in service to see if they were having trouble. Right. They haven't. I thought they were going to break it out this episode, but they didn't. That's what I thought. So conceivably, if he had done bad in these interviews or people's comments to be bad, they were they would maybe give him the Luger test. I don't know. It was unclear. It was weird. They brought it up and then didn't do it. Right. It's like it's like a we were beside that fireworks factory. Yeah, there's a lot of fireworks going in over there. Don't go in, though. Don't take a look at it. <laughs> just just keep your eyes over here. They schedule kind of a follow up interview, which they come back to kind of at the end of the show, sort of bookend them. And, and Dorian throughout the episode is quite nervous about them coming back. Uh, we'll get into the follow-up, I guess, at the end, but it's kind of funny because as they're driving around on this, like, case trying to do stuff, him and Kenix are talking about these interviews he's been doing, and uh, Kenix is kind of teasing him, but they also sort of, in this teasing, recap kind of the season. That's true. Because he's just, like, teasing him. He's just like, you know what I told... He's like, Dorian, you know what I told him in the interview? I told him about the time you broke that DRN out of the hospital. You remember that? And then, oh, yeah, you, you remember that time you scanned my balls? Yeah, they, you, it did definitely feel in a lot of ways that this was the, uh, if not series finale, the season finale. Yeah, it was it was kind of funny for a show that hasn't had a lot of continuity. They they took a few ta- a few breaks of the show to like, remind us of like the good times from past episodes, I guess. Yeah. And uh, and then at some point, too, he's talking to Rudy about it. And Rudy it tells him he should just act like an MX unit because uh, that's what they like. And it'll, it'll lead to, uh, I guess, scene played for comedy where he just does an MX voice. 
and and but but the comedy lasts for maybe two and a half seconds yeah well it doesn't work so they give up on it real quick the show is this weird thing that they set up like a scene and then you see the scene and it's like such a disappointment it seems like everyone knows they're just like all right let's just move on it's like well i just just don't put it in the show but anyways <laughs> it's one of those weird scripts, examples. we gotta shoot it yeah anyway they, they get a call that this girl's body has been found out by the wall when a drone was kind of doing its routine wall scans Mm-hmm. So they head out there and they and they find her body and she's been uh, cut open and stuffed with straw. And this made me laugh because they said it's it's the same kind of attack and murder that a previous killer had done uh, I, uh, years and years ago. And they nicknamed, nicknamed him Straw Man because he filled his victims with straw. And for some reason, that was the funniest thing ever. And I just laughed and laughed. I guess just because Scarecrow seems like the more obvious name, but obviously that's a batman villain but all i could think was straw man is that his major villain power was that he was just going to misrepresent his opponent's position in a debate (laughs) i mean you make an excellent point and something i've started noticing with these episodes the villains of the week have gotten more and more batman-esque yeah they're getting a little more cartoony and i kind of wish that if they were going to go this way just just go full batman and don't kill them at the end of every episode just let's just like have them constantly having like a rotating door of like insane villains they're constantly having to re rematch up against. Here comes the clown. It, I, I would have liked that. It would have been very funny to me if just like the uh, Simon Says comes back and they have to like deal with right. more bombs on X or he like puts bombs somewhere else or or the beauty killers back. Like these are all like such outlandish villains. You If you're going to go that way, I would have loved if they leaned into it. Like, became 60s Batman. For, for the beauty killer, though, I thought we agreed on vain villain. Oh, right. We, we're changing that name. We're retconning. Um, anyways, what we, what we find out here, uh, jumping back to the episode, is that uh, the original straw man was uh, a murderer. I don't know if they said how many years ago. I'm going to assume, let's say, 30 years previous. Um, unless they, I, Did you catch, did they say how long ago it would have been? No, I think it was 10. Oh, t- oh so it's not even that long ago. So 10 years ago, they think it's a... Um, a different person because the person who was the original straw man was caught and caught by who luke caught by kennix's own daddy one edward kennix who's also a cop and, and you're right you mentioned in a previous episode that i think they've mentioned it a few times about his dad being a cop he's sort of in passing yeah and they kind of implied that he was he was maybe a crooked cop or something that's been the implication in this time and in this episode they kind of talk about how he's been under he was under investigation at the time he died for uh selling seized uh, police seized robo technologies yeah and uh Kenix never really believed he was crooked he because he was such a good guy but like this is this is basically his chance to like reconnect with his dad and prove his dad's innocence this episode i was really hoping that the copycat killer was going to be john's dad no it's not it was the dumbest thing it could be and so i was really hoping that's what it would be and he'd be like you've been alive the whole time and he's like yes and i planned it on the anniversary of my death you know that sort of thing if only i'm telling you if they had only leaned into the like insane villain element that's true uh anyway since they figure this is a copycat crime they decide they're gonna go see the original straw man who's uh in the cubes and we get to go see the cubes yeah it's the future prison we finally get to see it it's a letdown in my memory of it it wasn't even cube shaped no, it seems to be a big cylinder. Maybe maybe it's ironically named the cube because they're desperate for like right angles. Right, right. Everything, everyone has no angles and they're like, oh, I wish. It's very hard to put furniture in all the rooms. 
Um, the the original killer is a gentleman named Michael Costa. He's a he's a paranoid schizophrenic who was caught for the murders originally, but he claims his innocence now. Um, that he's got some like proper medical help and is you know on medication, and he even says that uh, Kenix's dad dropped by before he died to say that uh, he'd figured out that it was a frame up and this guy really is innocent. Um. So so the idea being that the real killer was never caught. Mm-hmm. It's uh it's a bit of a. a an idea is like like now he's got to really like get in and not just like save this man but save his dad you know it's a real redemption story here usually in this sort of this kind of plot when you see it in tv or books or movies or what have you they sort of leave the impression that maybe the person in jail actually is the bad guy and they're sort of manipulating people but i never got the sense i got the sense right off the bat like oh yeah he he was innocent and he was put in in jail do you know what i mean that's not really almost human style like it's a pretty surface show in some ways like they don't leave you wondering a lot they, they i think they've tried to drive home what you're supposed to believe pretty quickly i think you get conditioned by seeing the same things over and over and in, in one way i guess that's refreshing that they didn't do that but in another way it seemed like they kind of missed a beat of like uh missing some tension that could have been there yeah i mean i don't disagree and it just at this point this late in the game with almost human it does. I'm, I do feel like I'm like, that would have been off brand for this show. <laughs> I actually quite enjoyed this episode. Now, it's not a great episode to TV and a lot of Almost Human is not great. But at its best, it's kind of fun, fluffy science fiction. And I think when they when they do that, it, it, it can be executed pretty well. And this episode's like, it's like, yeah, it's kind of a dumb, fun episode. Yeah. Basically, after this, um, they go back to the precinct. Captain Maldonado uh, talks to Internal Affairs and gets uh, Daddy Kenix's files unsealed so that Kenix can go through all his old files on the straw man. And, you know, we get a, we get a scene where he's like kind of watching an old photo of his dad or an old video of his dad doing the case. And he finds that his dad has circled all the victim's feet and he doesn't know why. Um, but here's something for you, Jordan. Mm-hmm. When you saw his dad, did you have any thoughts? The thought I had is not going to be the thought you had. My thought was, because the dad, they sort of are, are setting up uh, his dad like he was Serpico, like he was a cop that, you know, was the only good cop on the force sort of thing. So I was really hoping it would be Al Pacino playing an old version of Serpico, and it'd be somehow connected to that world. That's what I thought. Oh, I, all I thought was uh, that they got an off-branch on Connery to do the joke. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. D- different thoughts. Either way, neither of us were happy. I, I as soon as I saw him, like Jordan's gonna want to present a recast of this immediately. <laughs> yes, well, I did recast, but yeah, he's got a clue. His dad circled all the victims' feet. Uh, Rudy's doing an autopsy on the mo- on the most recent victim, and when he gets there, Rudy starts telling him, "Oh, there's something weird about the corpse. Like, there's no dirt under the fingernails. So no matter how you how much you cleaned a body, like there should be dirt." So Rudy kind of posits a theory that this is actually a replica of the victim. The way they get to it, though, is. John is looking through his dad's files, and for some reason, his dad has circled the feet of all these people. Uh, now, he doesn't leave any notes or anything. He, le- he The dad leaves these notes as vague as possible. It's just, he just circles feet, and John's like, wait a minute, feet? Feet are connected, and then somehow they realize what, Luke? Well, when they're looking at the body, they, you know, he knows look at feet. Rudy's implied it might be a replica. They go look at the feet, and the victim is flat-footed. And it's flat-footed because... What they find or what they explain is that these aren't the actual victims. They're th- essentially 3D printed versions of people. Yeah, they're, they're from a bioprinter. Bioprinter. But this is an early model. I think they said it was five years old. 
And so this model had one flaw in it, which is um, because it makes people from the feet up. So it's, you know, like a 3D printer, it was sort of build as it goes. The weight of the person presses on the feet, I guess, before it's made solid. And so it makes flat feet. Now, I'll give it to Almost Human because this is right up their brand. But it's such a silly thing that that's the flaw. But I was like, okay, sure. Yeah, I'll buy it. Oh, it's funny. I, I took it to mean that like, it couldn't shoot down. So like everything you build is just flat on the bottom. Like it, it can't do a curve. No, no. I think it's the weight of the body pressing. It's it's not that they have like a flat foot, like a toy. Uh, <laughs> well, that probably makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they, they've basically pieced together. That this isn't the real victim. It's And that's why she's empty inside. It's not because he took the killer took out their organs and stuffed them with straw. It's just like the bioprinter can't do organs. He's doing stuff with the bodies and to throw police off the trail He's he's leaving these stuffed bodies to uh, to get yeah. them off his scent. They think the person's dead, so they stop looking into it. Uh, and uh, another one of these straw bodies turns up, and uh, they go out there, and it's clearly a replica too. Um, but they notice this time that it's got a little pinprint on its finger. For when they replicated this person too, they had the suppository suppository supplementary <laughs> d- d- dispenser. Hey, we don't know those pills weren't suppositories. They never That's true. said. They never said how the, how you had to take them. And basically, they kind of know, okay, this guy is, like, getting his victims from homeless shelters. And uh, Captain Maldonado comes up with a plan. Basically, she's going to send cops to all but two of the homeless shelters. So when this guy shows up, he'll get freaked out. And eventually, he's going to have to end up on one of the shelters that doesn't have cops roaming around. Which I guess is a strategy that works, I suppose. I mean, it gets us there. That's all that matters. It gets us there. That's true. And this is actually where Detective Paul... It's very funny, because he was gone the last two episodes on vacation... And in this episode, Detective Paul's back and they draw, he comes back, he's just like, I'm back from vacation, everybody. Did you miss me? And I was just like, you could have said nothing and I wouldn't have noticed. I don't know what, what the reason he wasn't in it. I'm assuming it's, it was a scheduling thing or the, the actor wasn't available, so they didn't have him in the show. But what's funny is that he's not that integral to any of these episodes. At most, he's in one scene. So not having him in an episode was not noticeable at all, but they drew the viewer's attention to it hard in the episode he's not there and then reminded them again he's back as if like people were like where's paul every scene where's paul paul's shouldn't he be in the office being made fun of you guys i tuned in for paul he's nowhere to be found yeah exactly anyway paul is uh, dressed up as if he's homeless and he's at the homeless shelter again yeah that's right he didn't have any little cockroaches with him this time though and he's talking to a guy who has like hilarious um sunglasses which you knew were gonna be a plot point because they're so obviously a, like a plot point. They're kind of cool. They're they're like sunglasses, but they're they have like lights around the frame, so they're big light up sunglasses. And it he's this street kid, and he kind of tells Paul that they're uh, they're night vision sunglasses. Uh, wasn't it actually a nice little scene with Detective Paul because he gives the guy money? And there's a longer discussion, Luke. But I th- I realized Detective Paul this whole time has actually been the nice person, and all the main characters we're following the show are jerk bullies. He's a sweetheart. Like, yeah, this kid uh, can't get into the shelter, so he gives him some Bitcoin. Like, they tap Bitcoin holders. They have little, like, flash drives they tap together and gives him some Bitcoin. And him and the kid are, like, kind of joshing each other, talking about, like, each other's moms. Like, it's this kind of weird, like, street tough talk. And uh, essentially, yeah, it becomes the plot point because after Paul's, you know, on the lookout for the straw man, he's kind of like undercover watching for him at the shelter. And he looks down and he he sees this kid's glasses again next to a garbage can. And when he looks up, he sees a van tearing away and he's just like calls it in and they send a drone after the van. 
the drone picks up the van as he kind of gets to his hideout and it scans the guy's face and they you know thanks to facial recognition they immediately know he's a guy named glenn dunbar this illegal tech trader um and he he runs off leaving the leaving his victim behind into his uh what was up with his lab it's it's basically an open-air lab underneath a dock was that what it was yeah, it was underneath, like, a big wharf dock, like, a, a just a huge wooden dock. And it was, like, there were no walls. It was, like, all open air. Maybe it was just, like, a mobile unit. It looked like a real supervillain, like... Well, I mean, I mean, maybe it all just folds down into a, uh, into a, uh, a briefcase when you pack it real tight. Oh, maybe. Maybe that's the case. Because I guess it was just a giant 3D bioprinter. Didn't you feel bad, though, that he wasn't actually in a wheelchair? I've never seen a serial killer in a wheelchair. That'd have been something different. <laughs> I mean, I you're right. I've never seen that. Come on, some equality here, you know? This is a weird thing you were disappointed about. Serial killer equality? You know that's always been a cause I've fought for. Why aren't people with disabilities given the chance to murder people en masse? Exactly. <laughs> Mechanics and Dorian and the MXs, they they do their classic uh, episode-ending raid of his facility. I like, know. you know Every we're at episode. the end of an episode. You know where the end when a raid happens. They they find the two victims. They're still alive. They're kind of like in these boxes, but they've been like covered in like, they say biotech. They've got like wires coming out of them and like all kinds of goop, like all kinds of weird like circuit yeah. boards plugged into their chest. One of the MX units finds the body of John Dun- of this Dunbar character and uh, they're like, oh, he's dead already for some reason. And of course, we know. How, how sure were you that it was going to have a bomb in it? Oh, you know what? I didn't think about it, but you're oh, right. Really? How, of course, of course it would have a bomb in it. Of course it was a bomb. I saw it and I was like, I, my note was, I bet that body has a bomb in it. That was it. Yeah. He 3D printed a body and put a bomb in it. He was he was on top of it. And, but we're coming to a scene that I was kind of excited about. Um, uh, and Luke, uh, you can set this up. But d- did you notice the electric knife? No. Well, because him and Kanix get in a fist fight. The real alive Dunbar. And, and John pulls out an electric knife. Oh, my God. I... It's got, like, electricity in it, and he jams it into the guy. Oh, you know what? I do remember this. You're right. He, like, stabs him right in the chest, and it, like, because this guy is now, we come to learn, a cyborg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, he, they actually, the quote, they actually said, he's been made into a cyborg. Yes. Apparently, he's got some degenerative disease, and that's, like, 10 years ago when he did all the original killings. He, like, kidnaps people to test biotech designs to help prolong his life and now 10 years later those are failing so he's just doing it again yeah that that was their way around why would he have stopped killing people for 10 years so basically it wasn't like a uh like a sick compulsion he he actually just was a killer he was a pragmatic killer yeah he needed it to stay alive yeah although i have to ask because at some point he asks one of these 16 uh, year old girl victims like their height and i thought that it was going to lead it like i thought maybe he was going to make a frankenstein or something but i was just like he was taller than them and he only kidnapped like teenage girls like how does that help him design things for his own body it's a red herring that makes no sense because the what the implication you think is oh he's going to make a frankenstein yeah make a skin out of the clothing or sorry clothing out of their skin or something like that but no it's just like i don't know he he has a preference for tiny organs or something oh imagine if he made a skin out of their clothing he just stitched all their clothing together and then took off his own skin and like just put the clothing on. Now that's a great villain. <laughs> um, he calls anyway. himself the clothes horse. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, that was a whiff. Oh, sorry. The clothes horse. 
Wouldn't he have to like also be a horse? Yeah, he's also a horse. I forgot about that. He also has a horse's head. Oh, great. Perfect. You fixed it. Yeah, fixed it. Done. All right. It's lunch. Anyway, Kenix kills him finally. He just like the stabbing doesn't work. So he just shoots him repeatedly and then he's dead. The cyborg is dead. By the way, this is like the anticlimactic ending we've seen at least in a few episodes where John just ends up shooting someone a bunch of times. You go, that's the end. And you're like, oh, he just shot him. You're like, yep, that's it. When they wrap up the plot so quickly, they're just like, oh, all this gear that Dunbar has is like 3D printer, and all his biotech stuff. It's all still marked from the evidence from the police department 10 years ago. So we figured out that some guy who worked in evidence, like gave him all this stuff to sell. That's how he was running his criminal empire. And then your dad found out. So they killed him. And then the guy who worked in evidence died three weeks later so he's dead too so don't worry about that guy he he also was killed by the straw man i guess it was one of the the neatest endings i've ever seen in a tv show they really were like and now this is all tidied up there's no more police corruption there's no one else involved yeah they might as well have just had a person with a notepad who was just reading like and that one check that one check check all right well that's it the good news your dad's name is cleared and then also, uh, apparently in the future, the justice system moves very, very fast because literally the day that they, uh, you know, they solve the case, they kill the bad guy, they go, Costa is being released right now. I'm like, right now? It's been like 10 minutes. Yes. The uh, the falsely accused paranoid schizophrenic is like immediately released. I mean, good for him. But like, wow, they've, they've really fixed that backlog. Well, and they even talk about how. Now that he's being released, they're going to make sure that he t- he gets all his proper medical care so we don't have to worry about his mental state as well. Yeah, don't worry about him either. It's like when um, those organs, those that organ black market ring at the end of the episode, they're like, and everyone who had those bad organs, the other organ company is giving them all new organs. Don't worry about anything, everybody. Yeah, I, I do like the idea that the writers or the showrunner, whoever it might be, uh, is very concerned that people are going to finish watching the show and be worried about these very low stakes, unimportant, pretty forgettable uh, threads that they've left. It's like, no one cares. You needed to know that hacker kid had friends. Like, if the episode ended and you didn't know he had all those friends. I know, it's just these weird things. It's like, who cares? Who cares? Anyway. They love to wrap something up completely. <laughs> anyway. The episode kind of ends. Uh, Dorian goes back for the kind of follow-up to his uh, his interview, his service interview. And the guy basically tells him his term's getting extended, his uh, his review is great, and he tells him that, like, Kenix in particular gave him a really glowing appraisal. And so the series kind of ends on this scene. So they make a, they kind of set up this, these, the stakes of, oh, no, the uh, whoever the people are that are investigating uh, or doing these end-of-year reviews of Dorian, they want to have a face-to-face meeting with him. And so he's all nervous and blah, blah, blah. He gets there, and the guy's like, just wanted to tell you you're awesome. And I thought... Why did they have to meet face-to-face for that? What a big waste of time. And also, what a waste of a scene. They could have literally just had him be like, he like in a car and he's like, oh, I just received an email. Great, I got extended. That would have made just as much sense and they don't even have to move. I guess they needed someone to tell him directly that Dorian gave him such a glowing appraisal to like set up the next scene, question mark? That's what it is. You needed someone to say because you know John's not going to be able to say loving things to his partner, but you get this actually quite nice scene where they're sitting um, at the beginning and sort of bookending, John at the beginning of this show in episode one sitting by himself eating noodles. Now he has Dorian there. And uh, it's really nice. It is actually a nice scene. Especially they go back to that. little Blade Runner town and they it's the yeah, it's the same kind of rainy noodle spot that looks exactly like the Blade Runner movie. And 
And yeah, Dorian shows up to like kind of thank his partner for for standing up for him. And for once for this show, they don't sort of pull their punches. Like this show is very terrified of anyone saying something nice without someone else saying something sarcastic or something like that. But this scene, for the most part, pretty much doesn't do that. And he says to John, thank you very much. John basically grudgingly begrudgingly admits that uh, he does like him as a partner. And uh, uh, Dorian gives John a present say thank you, which is a new updated leg. That was fun because he hands him this like gift wrapped leg. And John's like, I wonder what it is. And Dorian's like, it's a leg. Yeah, it would, it would, and that worked. It's funny. That kind of humor works on this show much better than whatever they usually try to do. It was the best of their partnership. And like for the last moment of this show where they kind of have a nice moment and at the end of it, they kind of get called off to a robbery. So, you know, they're going off to continue their partnership. But I thought this was a strangely appropriate wrap up to this show. Yeah, I, I thought it worked. It wasn't a cliffhanger. It wasn't an escalation of anything. It was just kind of a reaffirmation that these two characters are actually a good partnership and these two actors are good together. And this is like what the best parts of the show, the show, parts of the show that worked were these like moments with them. And like it yeah. kind of is just like a really quiet, anticlimactic ending, but like somehow more meaningful that way, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, yeah, I it's very funny because it was just like a lot of shows, especially lately, you know, you'd want to like raise the stakes or set up some sort of arc for the next season. And this was just like so anti that it, it it just was like, isn't this nice? This is an ending. Did they know they were going to get canceled before this episode aired? I don't think they did. I, you know what? Honestly, I didn't find too much writing kind of after the stuff about it starting. There wasn't a lot more writing about the show. I think they might have shot it all because there probably would have been a lot of post on these things. And then as the show went on, they probably got a better and better sense. Maybe it wasn't going to come back. But I don't I don't feel like they knew it was necessarily a full ending. I, I Maybe I'm wrong, though. I might have missed an article out there somewhere. Either way, I think it's a um, <laughs> this is going to sound mean, but it's almost a better ending than this show deserved. Not because I think the show's a terrible show, but despite itself. It's a show that really shoots itself in the foot a lot, and I think this was a nice ending that I was uh, a little surprised at. Let's uh, let's give it a rating before we kind of wrap up our talk about this show. This this episode, I mean, I like this episode. I think it did. Um, you've mentioned it before uh, that this was one of the I think the better episodes in terms of what this show can be. Now, is it a great episode of television? Nah, it's kind of got some silly, stupid moments, and there's some wasted time of B plots and stuff, but. For an almost human episode, it was kind of light and breezy and a fun uh, episode. And I wish there was more episodes like this and less like, I don't know, some of the more boring ones. So I give this one a seven and a half. Seven and a half. I I have to give it another seven. And I think I've done that for definitely the last two. And even maybe even the two before that I gave them sevens. It's, yeah, it's not. I feel like a seven for this show is basically a 10 for this show. Like a seven on yeah. my scale is basically a 10 for this show. Like lots of problems it's very surface level but it's i still had a good time it went by and like there were moments that really worked and you know some of the i think some of the character stuff worked better than ever in this episode it was almost like having them recap stuff and talk about things i was like oh yeah there are there are stuff that works here so i'm gonna go with a seven do you want to know what the overall series average is yeah what is the overall let's blow the dust off the old machine and uh, start punching in some numbers (laughs) Okay, this continuum drag computer here. Let me uh, let me get it booted up here, and uh, we'll punch in our our final our final scores. 
So uh, our series average, Jordan, for Almost Human? Yeah. 6.48. Yeah. Yeah, 6.48. Do you know how that compares to the other shows? I would say uh, the closest comparison might be Space Bum Beyond. And it's pretty close. There, uh, Space Bum Beyond was 6.57. Right. It's pretty close. So it's pretty close. Space Above and Beyond was more up and down. They had some episodes that were way better than this. And they also had some episodes where... Much worse. Much, much worse. Just nothing went right. So that's what, you know, you end up with that average. What do you think? Recommend this show to people? Would you recommend this to someone? You know, when we started the show and we were both reading about it and talking about it, I'm sure you came across it a lot as well. I saw over and over and over, because this still has a pretty strong fan base and a pretty vocal fan base. And everyone was ragging so hard on Fox, the network, for airing this out of order and and you know if it had aired the proper way it would have been a hit and blah 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 honestly we've now watched it in the proper order i don't think it really mattered no i don't think it made uh much difference maybe minor minor difference if because you know um of some of the uh the sort of storylines that are running through the whole season the serialized elements but it doesn't affect the no show. i don't think it was enough to make any any major difference at all it's so standalone would i recommend the show uh, I think it depends on the person. If you like kind of a this kind of actiony uh, show, it's it's more for someone who likes like cop partner shows than someone who likes a sci-fi show. I think I I think I'd recommend it. I, I feel like it's not something you need to pay attention to. Like if this was the kind of thing you were gonna put in the background while you did some work, or you know you were you were folding some laundry, or you know it's the end of the day and you just need to like veg out and not think too hard. You could probably do worse than this show. That's true. It doesn't hold up to a lot of maybe detailed thinking about, which maybe some of the better sci-fi does. Like, Tech War is not a great show, but its tech is so insane. that technology, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there was a lot to talk about because it was so weird, but it wasn't a great show. And, you know, this has its own problems, but they should have pushed the crazy element a little bit further, I think, or maybe not been so surface level with its stories. Uh, but, I mean, as far as, like, an inoffensive science fiction show to have in the background. I, you know, there, there's definitely worse things you could watch. Perhaps maybe some of our criticisms about what you're saying. I, you know, really, the overall criticism is nothing ever gets beyond the surface. However, I think maybe the show never wanted it to. So it may be a, a bit of a unfair criticism because it's criticizing the show for the show that just it just never wanted to be. You know, us discussing the show for 13 hours, uh, maybe be is is more of a dissection than the show ever wanted i mean i think our ratings sort of evened out near the end where they stayed relatively at the same place they weren't going to go any higher but they weren't really going lower uh, because it like there were still some hiccups but it kind of fell in its rhythm and it was just like here's a very straightforward plot with very straightforward there's no twists there's no turns you're going to see it all coming and it's going to be very comfortable for you to watch but yeah. there'll be some cool there'll be a nude mx with no genitals or there'll be like you know there'll be cool pops here and there like every episode had a cool sci-fi pop and then some good character work from all the actors but just you know it was it, it's just like it was it was it went down smooth but you just didn't think about it too hard we we had uh talked earlier about how um this show was desperate to uh tie up loose threads however i wrote down a bunch of season threads that we're never going to have answered. And I don't know if you had more, but let, let me uh, read you the list of ones that I wrote down. So here's here's things that they mentioned and we'll just never have answered. The wall and all its implications. You know, what's on the other side? What is this city? What does it mean? How does the wall work? We're never going to know. Second thing, 
Dr. Nigel Vaugh, uh, who was uh, uh, obviously the one who created the uh, DRN models. He just escaped in the idea that it's going to be a big thing that's going to come back. Well, he stole the robot army. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To go build a Roman army. That's never going to come back. They set up Dorian's memories as being something important for him and for the show. Never going to know about that. The original sort of uh, secret mystery of the show, Jake's uh, Jake's girlfriend. How was that? that? John's girlfriend. Uh, and what happened to her? Remember when they found a Russian nesting doll with a mic in it and someone's been listening to her the whole time? Yeah. And then they just went, I oh, forget about that. Anyway, so that's another one. And then the last one I had, and the least interesting, is the love story completion. And I only mention it because they had to hammer it home with every episode that these two characters of uh, Detective Stahl and uh, Kenix were were meant to fall in love. And they never finished that storyline either. How pleasant was it that they didn't get into that at all in the final episode? Oh, I loved it. It, it. I think it's the only episode that they didn't do it. There was no loving stares. There was no like little moments. And it was great because it, it's just so unnecessary. Yeah. Jordan, I do have some good news for you about those cliffhangers. What's that? Uh, while I was doing research on the show, I did find someone much like Space Above and Beyond has started a website where they promised to write the second season of Almost Human themselves. They've Ooh. promised to reveal beyond the wall. They've promised to uh, build more of a relationship between Paul and Kenix. Well, the last update on it was back in January saying, I need a break, but I'm going to come back and I'm going to start writing these soon. They have photos of like their episode outlines. That seems like, uh, uh, how would you say, a colossal waste of time? Well, uh, they're taking a break because something's come up in their lives, they said, but they may come back to it. I mean, it might be like the Space and Beyond second series, which I found online, where someone was writing a second season, where I think they got through the first episode of the second season and never went back to it. But who knows, Jordan? Maybe we'll come back and we'll have to read the second season online. And we'll, we'll read the second season and then discuss them as if they're actual episodes. I'm like, these are really terribly written. <laughs> no worse than the show. Can you get worse than Scarecrow as the bad guy? Not Scarecrow. What do they call him? Strawman. Strawman. I'll give you a little preview is that they, they, they had a few lines of dialogue for an episode where Kenix was talking to Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll tell you, they're very on brand for the show because the conversation was um, Kenix tells Paul that the uh, MX units have no genitals and then tells him that Dorian does. Mm-hmm. And then Paul's just like, is that why you're walking so funny? Oh yeah, well that you know what that does feel feel like the show. So he's 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 na- he's nailed the uh, the tone. He's really nailing the tone. I read that. And I'm just like that's terrible, but that is perfectly in line with this show. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's a good note. I think to finish. Okay, Jordan. So next week, now that we're done, we're gonna come back with a TV movie, a little movie called Baffled, starring Leonard Nimoy. It's not. It's not baffled. It's baffled! Exclamation mark. Yes, uh, exclamation mark is very important. I'm looking forward to uh, that one. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we're going to come back and do the Dune miniseries. Yeah, from the I think it's the early 2000s. Yeah, I think maybe 2000, 2001. Yeah, I'm interested. I can't. I'm interested to get into this. I, I've I've seen the movie. I read the book. I can't wait to see what this miniseries is like. I I, I hope just insane. A little a little look at things to come, listener. Mm-hmm. But until next time. If you have anything else to say about Almost Human, you can email us at continuumdrag at gmail.com. And, of course, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Continuum Drag, where we'll we'll have some final shots of this show as it, as it leaves our lives. And uh, I guess that's it, Jordan. This is the end of Almost Human. Yeah, it, it f- feels like it should be. It's been a real mild ride. 
<laughs> it has been. It has been. It's like a, a smooth ride in a wheelchair to go find someone to murder and stuff them with straw. <laughs> Your dream serial killer. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> All right, Jordan. I'll see you next week. I'll see you with baffled exclamation mark. Continuum Drag is recorded at Astrolab Studios in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rexiedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, and Dwayne Wright. <laughs>